Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Welcome to ID Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the show today. And today is a very special show because we have an exciting announcement. 
We do. And the announcement is, is there a drum roll? <laughs> Can you do it? We're having another baby. No. no. Oh my gosh. No. We <laughs> we um, are launching the Spark My Relationship online course. And it is launching next week, which is July 18th. It's been like our little baby. <laughs> it has. Almost. Basically, for the last year, we've been chugging away on this project. And we are so excited to bring it to you guys. Um, we just cannot wait to tell you about it. Yeah. So the course is kind of like the podcast in a sense that we started the podcast to get relationship advice and to also give it to our listeners. But we were going to get the advice for ourselves. and. This course is kind of the next step of taking a lot of the things that we talk about on the show and synthesizing them into an educational program, an online course that is going to allow you to put these ideas, these exercises, these tools that we talk about over and over into practice and, and laid out in a way that's easy to do. It's fun. And we don't have to tell you because you're here listening. It's going to help your relationship. <laughs> yeah. And we've teamed up with 15 world-renowned psychologists and therapists to bring you this course. So it's not like it's just us compiling the knowledge that we've learned over the past four years. It is actual lessons that are taught by marriage therapists. So you're going to be learning the strategies that marriage therapists actually and teach. counselors and, and psychologists. And yes, that they actually teach their clients. So just to name a few, some of these things that you're going to be learning in the course are how to eliminate unhelpful bad habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, because we all know how bad stress can affect a relationship. You're going to learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond with your with your partner, and so much more. So we are just so excited to to bring you this course. Yeah, we've gone through it ourselves as we've been compiling it. And like Sarah mentioned, this isn't it's not really the information's important and you get the information on the podcast and this is going to help put it all in one place. But to me, what I find a lot of value in are the actual exercises. Like, how do you take that information and implement it? Because it's one thing, yeah, sure, we know how to communicate better, this and that. But there are over 21 workbooks and cheat sheets and 25 relationship strengthening exercises throughout the course. So each module will will have exercises throughout where you're going to be able to put it into practice with your partner. Now, if you take this course with your partner, great. But if they're not fully on board or they're busy, it's still going to be valuable because you're going to have this information and you're going to have these these uh, workbooks that you know maybe your partner will come around, but if they don't, you're still going to be able to apply it to the relationship. And like Chase mentioned... Spark My Relationship is, it's a course that can benefit so many people. But just like you, Chase and I struggle with communication issues, with intimacy issues, with connection issues. We are there with you. And so this course has helped us 
bring it to our relationship to the next level. So we know that it can do that for you too. So maybe you feel that your relationship is good and you want to take it to the next level to make it great. Then these tools will really help you as well as if you are maybe struggling in your relationship and you need new foundations or new techniques to reconnect and learn how to better communicate with your partner. This course is going to give you those tools. And next week, we will go into detail with even more information on the course. But if you want to get an exclusive offer on the course when we launch, that is a discount and also more information, you can go to where? They can go to idopodcast.com forward slash spark. That's S-P-A-R-K. And they can sign up there to get the special promotional offer that we're giving for our listeners. And the coupon will be mailed to them on the launch date, which is next Wednesday, July 18th. And we're really excited for you guys to check this out. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, a lot of work into this, and we think it's really great and think that you will see some real positive changes in your personal life and in your relationship. In today's show, we talk with Paul and Shannon Elmore about rebuilding trust in your relationship. And this is a really great informative podcast where Paul gives us some detailed steps on how to rebuild the trust from the point of the transgressor, so someone that has lied, or the point of the partner who has been lied to. And both of the activities that the partner is doing are going to be important to help heal the relationship. So it was really informative. And Paul holds two master's degrees and has worked with hundreds of men, women, and couples for the last 15 years as a professional counselor. And just does a really great job of breaking down how to navigate this issue. And you might not have like a major trust issue in your relationship, like infidelity. Certainly if you do, it's going to be valuable for that. But the maybe it's a small lie and the tools that Paul gives are going to really help not just repair your relationship, but make it better even going forward. Uh, tools about open communication, transparency, and things like that. So even if you haven't had this as an issue in your relationship, you're going to learn some valuable stuff. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy today's show. We have Paul and Shannon with us today. Thank you guys for joining us on the show. No problem. Thanks for having us. We've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your professional work. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourselves and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We've been married 25 years. And when we first got married, um, I was as smart as a bag of hammers. (laughs) I had no idea how to love my wife well. Um, I was never taught, clearly taught. Um, how to rule a woman, how to understand a woman, how to be a good husband. Um, that's, that's not what they teach in school. And I was not overtly taught that by, by other people in my life. So I did a lot of kind of figuring it out uh, as I went along. And there were plenty of mistakes I made along the way that ended up 
hurting my wife's heart and and I would love to make that learning curve for other people not quite as not quite as steep so that they can avoid some of the mistakes that we've made and and can enjoy some of the freedom and enjoy some of the the happy times of their relationship earlier in their relationship so it doesn't take them as long to get there. Right. Yeah, I wish uh, that we learn a lot of these things about relationships in school. Having done this podcast, it, it made it glaringly obvious how little we learn about relating to other people, whether it's a significant other or or friends and, and coworkers, like how to communicate, how to rebuild trust, like we're going to talk about today. But all these things, we kind of just take for granted, like we're just supposed to know how to do them perfectly. And the reality is, we it don't. is not. So <laughs> that's why we started this podcast. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whenever we speak, we always ask the question, do you want to have the same relationship that your parents had? And we always make that a don't raise your hand kind of question. <laughs> um, but we learned typically through modeling and, and most of the time, individuals go, no, I saw so many mistakes or so many kind of deficiencies that I would like to do it better. So they have that desire to do it better. But what I hear over and over in my office as a professional counselor is we don't know how to do that. We don't, we don't, no one's been able to show us step by step or give us a real clear um, kind of roadmap on how to make that happen. So that's why my wife and I have started um, doing workshops and, and actually teaching people how to have um, relationships that, that we call it secure, have, have a secure marriage because, again, it's not taught, but a lot of people really want to have that. Well, we're going to have some valuable information for our listeners today where we're going to talk about zero in on rebuilding trust in a relationship. So why don't we start by talking about some of the ways trust can be broken and and then we'll work towards how to rebuild it. Yeah. As a professional counselor, I have sat with, um, I did the math the other day. I've been counseling for about 15 years now and I've clearly seen thousands of people, whether individually or as couples, um, and trust is broken in, in lots of both big and small ways. I actually would categorize them into, into those two ways. Um, big ways are kind of the obvious things. So infidelity, lying, um, financial uh, indiscretions, kind of the big things that have major ramifications. Um, and then there's small ways. Um, I asked you to pick up your socks one more time and you said you'd pick up your socks and you haven't picked up your socks and why can't you keep picking up your socks? Um, those little kind of more subtle, um, prevalent kinds of ways that you aren't following through those, those can actually erode trust over time as well. Um, but I think a lot of people get distracted by the big things that, that break down trust and they both, they both have their own consequences. I know personally, we haven't had this issue in our relationship, but just in my professional life. When someone lies to me or, you know, says one thing and does the other, it's like a deal breaker. I cannot, and, and I don't have a, the same relationship I, I would with my wife, but it is, it's just, and I'm sure each individual, it's going to affect differently, but I, they have to do so much for me to regain their trust is just unbelievable. So I, I'm lucky I don't have to deal with that in our marriage, but 
I imagine, depending on the person, it can be incredibly hard to to regain the trust of a partner with all sorts of transgressions. So what are some yeah. of the steps that that a couple can do to work on getting that trust back? Well, before we get to the steps, it's actually understandable. To, it's actually helpful to understand why that trust is so hard to give back. Um, when trust is broken, it actually affects three distinct areas in our lives. It isn't just kind of a one-time circumstantial thing. It actually affects um, three predominant areas um, in our in our relationships and in our lives. The first one is it, it affects how you see your spouse, or as you were describing, how you see that that business partner or that person in business. It actually changes your opinion of them. Uh, you had some information about them up until that point, and now they have done something lying or or again an indiscretion in some way, and you you can no longer go back and see them innocently. You can't you can't rewind the clock and and not see it anymore. So the way that you just see them um, is is profoundly changed. Uh, irrevocably. So it changes how you see your spouse. The second thing is it actually changes how you see yourself. And a lot of people don't understand this when trust is broken, but it actually changes how you view yourself because you start asking questions like, how could I have been so stupid? Or how could I have let myself get played in this way? Or why didn't I see it? So you actually doubt yourself and you can't rewind the clock on that either. So you now see your spouse differently. You see yourself differently. But the third area that's affected when trust is broken is how you actually see the world around you. It's like when you got lied to the first time or, or that, that friend in third grade, you know, betrays you and goes and plays off with, with little Johnny or little Sally over there, even though they said that you're their best friend. You now see the world differently. You now go, can I even trust what people in general say? Um, am I going to get hurt? because I open myself up over and over and over again. And so when these three things are rocked, that's why a breakdown in trust or or when uh, indiscretion or infidelity or or someone uh, not following through with what they say, it, it rattles who we are at, to our core. I'm glad you broke that down because, yeah, it, it's it's reshaping our reality. It's like this smack in the face. Like you said, it changes how we see the world and 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 it can be quite traumatic. And then, of course, if it's with someone you love, then it's all the more hurtful and, and surprising and and painful. So let's yeah. talk about how yeah. we can work towards uh, building that back up. Yeah. When someone, when someone has um, had trust broken, when they've been lied to or they've had someone deceive them in some way, there's three, three very distinct stages people go through as trust is trying to be rebuilt. And if, you don't, if you're not aware of these stages, you kind of have unrealistic expectations you place on yourself and you place on the relationship um, and, and without understanding these three stages, uh, you can, you can do more harm than good because you keep telling yourself I should be feeling better or they should be doing better. 
Um, so these three stages actually come from, from research uh, from Friesen and Friesen. Uh, it's an old, old uh, research article they put together, and we call it the three doubts. So when trust has been broken, people go through these three stages of doubt. The first one is the doubt of sincerity, which basically, so let's take Shannon. If Shannon, if I lied to Shannon in some way, if I broke her trust, and then I come to her and I, and I say, you're right, I did something wrong and I need to change this. It's normal for her to have a doubt of sincerity, meaning I'm not actually sure that, that he means it, that he wants to change, that he's actually sorrowful. She, she doubts my sincerity. And a person can stay in that stage for who knows how long. It's actually, there's no kind of measured time frame for this, depending upon the degree or the severity of the infraction. That can be as short as, you know, a couple hours or as long as a couple months if it's a really significant breakdown. So she's in this doubt of sincerity. Paul actually doesn't want to change. But over time, if I can actually demonstrate, no, I actually do want to change, then she moves into the next stage or the next doubt, which is the doubt of ability. Okay, fine. I can see that he wants to change. I have to admit that. He's had... He's been enough, he's demonstrated that enough that he actually wants to change, but now I doubt that he actually can change. I doubt his ability to change. And a person can stay in that stage for a long, long time because it takes a long time to rebuild um, credibility as an offender. Um, a lot of people think this is kind of a one-for-one one point. I lied once, so I got to do one good thing, and I should be even Steven. But that's not how trust works. It's going to take 10 good things or 100 good things for me to, to rebuild one, one point of trust in my wife's mind, again, depending upon the level of infraction. So we have the doubt of sincerity. I don't think he actually wants to change. We have the doubt of ability. Okay, he wants to change, but I don't think he actually can change. But if I've been consistent and I've been able to demonstrate, yes, I want to change and I can change, she's going to move into the third stage which is the doubt of durability, which says, okay, he wants to change, he can change, but I don't think it's going to last for long term. Um, this is kind of a flash in the pan. He's going to go back to, to how he was or what he was doing. And so, so Shannon can stay in that doubt. And during all three of those stages, her warm fuzzies towards me are what? Pretty low. Pretty low. She's she's not open to that at all. And her trust level is also pretty low. And I have to actually be okay with that. I have to accept that. If I'm the one who has offended or broken trust, if I actually expect my wife in the doubt of sincerity stage to say, how come you're not warming up toward, towards me? How come you're not being being kind towards me or you want to be affectionate with me? I have to understand that those warm fuzzies are low and the trust is, is low. And that's going to stay low through all three of those doubts until I can have some level of long-term time is a huge component here, long-term demonstrable uh, effort and measurable change in my life where he'll, she'll finally go, okay, he wants to change, he can change, and it's going to last. And that's when you start to see an uptick in the warm fuzzy she has towards me and the ability to trust me as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously each scenario is different, the length of time and the severity of the trust broken. But 
generally, is there, is there a time frame at all that this person or, or someone will stay in this, uh, in this doubt phase before they can start rebuilding those warm fuzzies back? Yeah, there's a couple things that play into that. Um, usually, um, repeat patterns. So if this is the first time you've broken trust, a person, again, if I broke trust with my wife, my wife will be much more open and receptive to going. This is kind of a one-time thing, and she will probably get through those stages much faster. If this is the third or fourth time, and I've told her over and over, I'm really sorry, and I'm not going to do it again, and I do it again, her skepticism, her guardedness of her heart is appropriately um, going to be much, much higher because I actually have not followed through and I've actually rebroken trust over and over again. So how can someone that is the transgressor help their partner, you know, be more accepting of them? I know you have to show the the, the effort and, and, and the time, but are there any specific things they can say or or do to rebuild that trust in a healthy yeah. way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the number one thing that is probably the most important in this is uh, a full disclosure. A lot of people, when they get busted, and I sit with a lot of couples, and let's pick, um, again, we keep picking on the husband. Um, that's not fair. So let's flip it around. Let's say my wife is now the offender, um, because I sit with a lot of both. Um and she comes and discloses, uh, let's put it into an affair kind of scenario. Um, if, if she discloses only some of that information, and this has happened in my office, um, and then two, three, six weeks later, more details or more infractions come out um, about that situation, and then two weeks later after that, more details come out what tends to happen is the person who's been wounded now is constantly kind of waiting for that, that other shoe to drop. And it's like, okay, what's going to be next and what's going to be next. And it actually prolongs the healing process because they're afraid they're going to get hit upside the head again with more information. So what we do, um, as I sit with couples who have had some sort of major um, trust breakdown, is I have to actually do work with the offender, with the transgressor, and say, you're going to have to do a full disclosure up front um, with as much information as possible. And usually that requires some sort of um, guidance because there's some information you don't want to disclose to a, a spouse especially if it's in terms of infidelity, because some of those things just can't be unseen in her mind's eye anymore. So um, that needs to usually have a professional kind of walk through facilitating what is disclosed, but there needs to be a, a full disclosure so that there is no more kind of information trickling in and the the painful experience of that disclosure or that discovery can can be contained in, you know, this month is really bad because this situation just happened, but you don't want it to be extended out over six months. So full disclosure is probably one of the most important aspects um, when when a person um, is is admitting that they have done something to break down trust. Full disclosure, number one. 
The second thing, which is going to be really important um, after that point, is you have to have full transparency. Um, that means that if you are, again, the offender, the transgressor, you actually give up some of your rights to privacy. You no longer have the freedom to withhold information because at that point, um, the other person is always kind of seeing your behaviors through this, through this filter of this broken trust experience. And so you actually have to give more information to help rebuild that trust so you can help alleviate the person who's been, who's been wounded. You can alleviate um, their mind wandering. So again, even though Shannon and I haven't had a major breakdown in our trust, I haven't done anything that's been majorly um, uh, harmful to our relationship in this way. I upgraded my phone uh, about two months ago. And when I was upgrading my phone and I was putting in my fingerprints so that, you know, you can access your phone, what did I do with my phone after I did that? He handed it straight over to me to put my fingerprint in so that I have access to anything that's on his phone. I have no secrets from my wife, and so she can pick up my phone anytime, anywhere, and and she she is programmed into it so she can gain access to that. And as I even suggest that to some of my clients, they go, what do you mean you let my wife have access to my phone? I would never do that. But that becomes necessary. You need to start having full transparency. You have to disclose or offer more information going forward in the relationship um, so that, again, you're keeping the your spouse's mind from running wild. Now, would you say for any in general to do, be that open and transparent or just if you're trying to rebuild trust? Oh yeah. That's, that is a key element. I think for any relationship that wants to be genuinely intimate in some way. One of of the things that we did um, very early in our marriage, even before we were married is we made the decision and the commitment that we wouldn't have any secrets from one another and that I think has made a huge difference because when one of us is struggling with something, it's really easy to keep that and hide that. Yep. And then you sit in it alone. And when you have that um, that no secret um, commitment, then you also are keeping a barrier from being built between you, which which causes a, a breakdown in um, intimacy. intimacy and connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a rotten liar. I mean, man, I have a terrible (laughs) poker face. And so if I've done something or I have something that's weighing on my heart, my wife reads me like a book. It stinks. I wish it wasn't true. I wish I could lie better, but I'm right there with you, Paul. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Chase always, uh, not that I ever lied to him, but if I'm like white lying or fibbing, he, he's, he can, he can call me out fast. (laughs) Yep. I mean, it makes it hard for surprise parties and Christmas gifts and everything else like that because it, I, I wear it on my face. And I'm glad of that. I'm glad because walking around holding that guilt or being afraid you're going to be found out just destroys intimacy. It destroys that freedom. Shame is a powerful, powerful um, uh, toxic uh, cancer in a relationship. And so if you can be preemptive and just agree, we're not going to have that in our relationship at all, man, you can just breathe a lot easier, you know, as you're making dinner that night. I'm glad we're moving in this direction because I wanted to ask in, in, in relates to lying is, is doing the opposite is creating transparency in a health, healthy relationship. So 
how can we encourage that open dialogue and that openness uh, to someone that, that might not be used to it or not used to sharing their intimate thoughts and feelings? How can you encourage that in a relationship? But before we continue, we want to tell you about today's sponsor. If only Grove Collaborative existed when we had our daughter, Stella, about three years ago, it would have saved me a huge headache. Like we shared in last episode, we are very conscious parents, and that's why we it was an easy choice that we didn't want Stella to come into contact with toxic chemicals that are often found in house cleaning products and toiletries and stuff like that. But and not in Groves. <laughs> yeah, not in Grove. And that's why we're so excited to be working with them. If you don't know Grove already, then you should. Grove sells only the best non-toxic products. So when I shop on their website, I'm confident that I'm selecting items that are not only good for me and my family, but also the planet. So now that we are Grove VIP members, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> we are finding that it is super easy to order what we want and it's not expensive. And all thanks to the Grove Collaborative platform. And not only does it have brands that we already trusted, like Burt's Bees. I love their chapstick. My lips are like constantly chapped because <laughs> I'm always in the sun. But also seventh generation. And everything they sell is vetted to be the best all natural products around. I'm currently obsessed with the glass cleaner because Stella loves wiping her dirty, sticky hands all over our sliding glass window. So I'm constantly cleaning them. And I hate the idea of spraying harsh chemicals to clean them and then touch them with my skin. So Grove allows me to clean them knowing that we're all going to be safe. So it's a win-win. And I'm also loving the lavender scent of their Miss Meyer soap. It is to die for. And it makes my house smell so amazing like a spa. <laughs> so if you haven't tried Grove already, then you need to today. Our listeners who sign up get an amazing 30-day Miss Myers gift set and a free 60-day VIP membership when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. So check out Grove for our special offer at grove.co forward slash I do. That's grove.co, not .com slash I do. Today's episode is brought to you by IntelliWhite. IntelliWhite is the fastest clinically shown at-home teeth whitening system in the world. And I am so excited to try my cool blue platinum kit that I have right here. And I'm going to have teeth that are six shades whiter in less than 40 minutes. I am so excited. If you have a crazy schedule or a crazy toddler like us, you know how hard it is to have time to pamper yourself and make yourself look good. So with IntelliWhite, you have no excuses. And if you have a last minute date tonight, IntelliWhite can take away those coffee stains in less than 40 minutes. IntelliWhite system is one of a kind. They combine their proprietary amplifier whitening gel and blue light to create a special formula that no other brand has. And the best part is they have a 30-day 100% money back guarantee. So stay tuned for next week when I share my results and my shiny new white teeth and check out their website to get your cool blue whitening kit at shopintellywhite.com. That's shop, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-W-H-I-T-E and use the promo code I do for 10% off. That's shopintellywhite.com and enter the promo code I do for 10% off. That's usually going to go back to um, learned strategies. 
Um, I have a counselor friend who sat uh, with a couple and the husband or wife are sitting there and she is, you know, having a conversation. He won't talk to me. I, I won't get, he won't open up. He won't share with me. He won't tell me what's going on inside his head. He won't tell me what's going on in his day. And my counselor friend turns to him and goes, is that true? And he goes, yep. And that's about it. And so my friend starts asking more questions and comes to find out um, that this, this gentleman, when he was a little kid, every time he talked in his house, um, he'd get smacked. And so he was a smart, wise little kid. And he learned the lesson, which is shut up. Don't talk because if you talk, you end up getting hurt in some way. And so he was, just simply carrying on that same learned self-protective strategy into his uh, adult married life. Um, and that same strategy, which kept him safe as a, as a child is now actually detrimental to a relationship. So if you have one person who has difficulty kind of sharing that there's usually some sort of learned behavior or, or learned coping strategy um, around that behavior and starting to have conversations about, um, why or how that serves you is good conversations. And again, if you can't have that as a husband and wife with each other, then you probably need to sit down with a trained professional who can facilitate those conversations and, and make those conversations easier. So oftentimes it's, it's a learned behavior. There are some personality pieces. There's just some hard wiring. I am a massive introvert. I am an off-the-scale introvert um, when it comes to being around people. I'm the quietest guy in the room. I, I, I won't talk very much at all. Um, and that played into our relationship early on as well, right? Oh, yeah. It totally did. And I had to actually train myself. Wait a second. I actually need to share some things with her, even though I'm content, totally content, being within my own head, having my own experiences, um, I actually have to give more to my wife so that she can hear some of that. So I have to rewire some of the personality things and actually just understand my, my silence is actually hurting my wife and, and not contributing to the intimacy in our relationship. So switching gears back to uh, someone that's been lied to, we've we've got some great information yeah. on the, the stages of rebuilding trust. What do you say to someone who is the partner's doing a good job, the, the transgressing partner is earning back that trust, they're doing everything right, but you're an individual who you just can't stop thinking about the lie that was told to you and it just probably rightfully so is is eating at you. What are some of the things that that, that person can do to to forgive their partner. You want to try that one, honey? <laughs> She's pointing at me. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Um, that is, that is a, a very real um, situation that happens. And again, I see it in my office over and over and over again, where something happened, you know, 10 years ago, and this is still being brought up in the relationship weekly or every time they have a fight because this is still being relived in some way. So you've actually kind of pointed out there's responsibility on the offender person's uh, part. We went through some of those things, full disclosure, full transparency. Um, and then there's responsibility on the wounded person's part. And that is where um, the person who has been hurt, who has been lied to, has got to start examining um, 
their their relationship with safety or certainty. Usually, when you've been lied to um, and you don't want to let it go again, it's coming back to that that belief of I don't want to get played again, I don't want to get hurt again, I don't want to look foolish again in some way, and so you you have what's actually called confirmation bias, which means you are you already see your spouse as this offender, and everything that they do um, or in all the things that they do, you tend to gravitate towards or pay attention to the things that confirm that belief that they are an offender or that they're untrustworthy or that they are deceitful in some way. And so you actually have disproportionate information because you're only focusing on the things that that confirm that bias towards them. So you actually, as the wounded part, as a wounded party, have to start examining what is your attitude and what is your belief system about that that person who's hurt you. You have to take responsibility for that. And you have to become brutally honest and say, yeah, actually, I still see them as a liar. I still see them as a deceiver. I still see them as as the wrong person. Um, and you have to start to change that attitude or be open to saying, maybe that was one experience, but that's not their entire character. That's not their entire persona. They're not totally bad or totally good. We we as human beings like black and white. We like simple categories, good, bad, dark hat, black hat, um, fun, bad. Um, and we have to be able to live in the gray a little bit and say, yes, this person did hurt me and, and, that was a real experience, but can I actually allow this person to change and and see them differently in the here and now? So again, another story that kind of uh, kind of demonstrates this. I was watching um, interviews with uh, family members of students at the Columbine shooting, which was you know 15, 20 years ago, and as I was watching different families. Uh, around the shooting, I was um, surprised that some families were still devastated by this just tragedy that happened. And, and other families were genuinely happy and content and at peace. And I started asking, wow, why in the world can some families move on? And why do some families get stuck? And that's the same question about, you know, breakdown and trust. Why do some people get stuck and why do some people are able to move on? And as I listened to the way that they talked about their students, the families who were stuck, who were still actively grieving or, or actively distraught, they actually talked about their students, about their children, as if they were still actively being harmed. So I can see them in the library. They are afraid. They are hurt. They are bleeding. They are scared as if it's still happening to them right now. The families that were able to move on were able to change the, change the tense and say they were hurting for an hour. They were scared. They were um, in pain. But now, 15 years later, my child's not hurting anymore. My child's not scared anymore. And, and we're glad. We, we're glad that that was only a momentary thing and it's not actively happening. So being able to... to um, change the way that you see someone and go, that was how they, how they were. That is something that they did. Um, but they 
have had enough time and behavior which demonstrates that, nope, I can actually accept the person for who they are today. Still imperfect, still still um, uh, have the potential for harming me, but I'm going to be open and receptive to them um, and trust that they, they're not going to do that again. Is that making sense? Yes. Yeah. And that's such a powerful example with those families and, and just in dealing with lying, but dealing with tragedy, dealing with life, <laughs> you know, these things yeah. happen and, and recognizing that it happened, but not ruminating on it and then being present in, in moving on, you know, you don't have to move on and forget about it. Cause that's a thing that happened. And, and that might be a thing in progress if you're working to rebuild the trust, but to just replay it, it, it about how mad you are that your partner lied to you is is not really serving anyone and especially yourself. So as a, a really valuable piece of information. When I talk about forgiveness, there's three things that I always te- tell people is forgiveness doesn't happen first. Forgiveness doesn't happen fast and it doesn't happen once. So if, if I have offended Shannon, um, I don't actually expect her to forgive me right away. Uh, that would be inappropriate because that's where, I, where her feelings are at. And I haven't taken responsibility for what I've done yet. So I have to take responsibility for that first. And when I do that, then she's able to go, okay, I can now choose to no longer hold this against him. I can, I can make that decision, but that doesn't happen fast. It doesn't happen right away. And she might have to do that over and over and over with me again, where I, I do something, you know, a year from now, she's going, I have made a decision that I'm no longer going to hold this past transgression against Paul. I make that choice. And that's not going to be, that's not going to be brought up in the fight. That's not going to be brought up in the disagreement. I actually choose not to use this, this ammunition against him. That, that takes a lot of maturity and strength and growth on my wife's part to not, to not do that against me. But it's possible. That's what, actually what forgiveness is. So I have a question about the infamous white lie. Where does that come into play in terms of being a big indiscretion? Is it allowed? Well, <laughs> yeah. Is, is, is white lying allowed? Great question. There's something you want to talk to us about. Can we help you work through this for you guys? Um, no, I mean, actually um, not really, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to try that? All right. Here, here's, my, here's my answer for white lies. Um, any lie is cancer. Any lie um, that you're having to hold a secret now adds in that level of I hope I don't get found out. And you now have to change your behavior to maintain that status. And again, if you're like me and you have a lousy poker face, my wife will pick up on that and, and sense that in me. Um, if I'm a good liar or a good poker face, then I actually think the, the damage comes. I think it's even stronger than when it comes out because I I missed something and, and the truth comes out in some way. Now we're not talking about surprise birthday parties again. That's, that's not a white lie. That's, that's appropriate. But uh, the, the, the white lie around behaviors. Now, again, I wouldn't categorize a white lie uh, around um, social decorum. So if my wife asks me, how does this dress look on me? Um, There's really only one answer on that or, you know, the, the, does this make me look fat? 
there's only one answer a husband should ever give to that to that question. That's that's not why it lies. That's a social decorum kind of thing. A lot of people will think, hey, it's my privilege or it's my right to be painfully honest. And so they'll walk up to a stranger and go, do you know you look ugly? Or do you know that you, you're the way you dress? That's, that's not appropriate. So we're not talking social decorum here, but a white lie where you have to hide some sort of behavior is adding in a toxic element to a relationship because it changes how you have to behave. Well, and I think too, if a lot of people will start out with one little white line, go, okay, this isn't a big deal. It's nothing big. And which then later on, there comes another little white lie and another little white lie and another little white lie. And those all tend to build up, yep. whether they're about the same thing or different things. It just erodes it erodes that intimacy and that connection that you can have. You you just can't get that a good, solid connection with your spouse if you have all these little white lies, regardless of the 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 smallness or the bigness of them. And uh, again, psychology is really clear. If you look at any sort of addiction uh, mentality, um, white lies don't stay white lies. Um, small things never stay small, Right. whether it's a lie or whether it's drinking or whether it's gambling or whether it's spending over the budget, whatever it is, we as human beings are wired to go, I'm only going to take this one little step. But then the law of diminishing returns says the next time you do it, I'm going to take that that same little step and a half a step more. Right. And then the next time it's two steps and then the next time it's three steps. So whether it's lying or whether it's uh, eating potato chips, um, we always tend to gravitate towards escalation in some way because doing it doing it to the same level, again, it's called the law of diminishing returns. It doesn't satisfy us as much. Again, that's why when you hold your wife's hand, or when you're dating, the first time you hold your wife's hand, you get that really big squishy feeling in your stomach and your heart's beating. And, and it's like, you know, you have butterflies and unicorns all over the place because you're holding this girl's hand all of a sudden. Wait six weeks. It doesn't give you that same thrill anymore. You have to escalate. You have to move up. You have to progress. So I would argue lying operates under the exact same principle. Yeah. Well, Paul and Shannon, this has been a a very valuable episode, I know, for Sarah and I and and for our listeners. Are there any things that we might have missed about navigating rebuilding trust uh, before we finish up? Uh, Yeah, I'd probably put one last thing. Um, So the three things that uh, if a person who has broken trust, the three things they need to do, full disclosure, full transparency, and then the last one is accountability, which means when a a person who who has broken trust demonstrates to their spouse and says, I will let someone else ask me the hard questions, that goes a long way towards helping rebuild trust because this person, the spouse knows there's another pair of eyeballs on this. This person is actually being seen and is being willing to be exposed, not only to me, but to someone else. Now, one rule of thumb is if it's a large infraction, again, if we're talking infidelity or something like that, a spouse should not be the accountability partner. 
that creates a nasty kind of toxic uh, feedback loop. So it needs to be an outside person who is an accountability person because we don't want the, the spouse whose feelings are already hurt and betrayed. We don't want them to have to police the other person's behavior. Um, it just creates all sorts of nasty dynamics in the relationship. So full disclosure, full transparency, and full accountability is a responsibility for the offending party. And then the wounded person, their responsibility is learning how to find that openness towards their spouse again, moving through the stages of forgiveness, and being willing to run the risk of being hurt again later on. And that's a big ask of anyone, but that's necessary if you want um, trust to be rebuilt. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for all these tools. Um, I think they're going to be super helpful for our listeners. They're very step-by-step. And if somebody's in this situation, they're going to be able to listen to the show and hopefully put in the um, the steps to build trust back in the relationship. So thank you so much. So uh, let's uh, wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, probably the best place if, if a couple are listening to this and they recognize they actually want um, some things in their marriage to start getting better. Um, we built a website called 5MinuteMarriageMakeover.com. That's the number 5MinuteMarriageMakeover.com. You go there and we are practical people. It's not theory. We actually like hands-on tools um, so that couples can learn how to fight less feel understood and enjoy a deeper connection with each other. So there's some videos on there. They're all free. You just put in your email and you can get access to those videos. It'll also send you a lot of other really good resources that are proven techniques that we use for all the couples in our workshops that we do. Um, I use it with my clients. All of these tools came out of the work that I've done with my clients uh, one-on-one in my office over the last 15 years. Um, so 5MinuteMarriageMakeover.com is a, a good place to start, um, or you can go to just securemarriage.com and check out some stuff like that. We also, we know if listeners are listening to your podcast, we actually have our own podcast, which is the Secure Marriage Podcast. Um, we're putting in more episodes on that. So if people are enjoying podcasts, please go check out the Secure Marriage Podcast. Awesome. Well, I look forward to uh, listening to your podcast as well. And we'll have uh, the link to your podcast as well as the resources you just gave us on your show notes page on idopodcast.com. And thank you guys so much for joining us. It was a wonderful interview. Thanks Thanks for having us to be part of your helping out of the couples. Take care. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you want to find out more information on our new course, Spark My Relationship, you can visit our website, idopodcast.com forward slash spark, S-P-A-R-K. And you can sign up to get more information as well as receive our exclusive promo discount, which will be emailed to you next Wednesday, July 18th on our launch day. So we hope you guys check that out. And while you're on our website, if you haven't done our 14 day happy couple challenge, we really encourage you to do that. It's a free challenge where we send you daily uh, emails with simple, doable daily challenges to help deepen your connection, help you communicate better and just have a lot of fun with each other. Uh, So we hope you guys check that out and we'll see you next week.
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.